stranger. Watch it, Hank. Here he comes. Yeah. He's in the garage. Come on. Okay. Hurry up before he gets the motor going. Okay, fella. Hold it. <laughs> Who are you? What do you want? Never mind. Move over. I'll drive. You'll do nothing of the kind. Get your hand away from that horn button or you get it. Right now. Very well. Get him back, Hank. Watch him. Okay. What are you two men after? I haven't got anything. Just a few dollars in my wallet. Get up. Okay, we'll get going. Look up and down the street, Hank. See if anybody's coming. Ah, uh, just one guy. About half a block away. Good. Where are you two men taking me? And what's the reason for this? All we want is the dough. But I told you I haven't any great amount of money. Just a few dollars in my wallet. <laughs> you hear that, Hank? He hasn't got any money. Yeah, what a laugh. Yeah. Give him something else to laugh about, Hank. Right. Uh-huh. Now, Joe, throw him. Let's have the cash in the inside pocket. Okay. Uh, I, I got it. Well... But what are you going to do with him? Make sure he can't put the finger on This is Steve Granger, private detective, with a story about a body which was dropped practically under my nose and started me on a trail which ended at murder. In just a moment, I'll take you back to one of my most interesting cases. This is Granger. It was early morning, around 1 a.m., I'd been wheeling a rented car down one of Long Island's highways on my way back to Manhattan when my headlights suddenly went out. I'd pulled up at the side of the road and was checking the fuse when I heard it. The way the approaching car was being handled, I figured it was some liquid with alcohol where his brains were. About 50 yards or so off the highway, the door of the speeding car opened and the body of a man came tumbling out. Are you all right? Uh-huh. What happened? You hurt bad. Uh-huh. I stood looking at the man who had passed out at my feet. Then I went back to my car, drove it up to the unconscious man, lifted him into the back seat, and went through his wallet. I found his name was Marvin Robo, and his address, Cove City. I rushed him to the hospital where I explained what had happened. The Cove City police chief showed up, and I gave him a detailed report. Then I met Mrs. Robo, a strikingly handsome woman in her early 40s, who arrived at the hospital accompanied by the man. the man who brought my husband here? Yes, I am, Mr. Robo. Mr. Granger, I don't know how to thank you. Oh, this is an old family friend, Phil Douglas. Glad to know you, Granger. Oh, yes. Phil, I wonder if you'd mind letting me speak to Mr. Granger privately for one moment. Not at all. I have a word with the police chief. What's this all about, Mrs. Robo? My husband seems to be coming along all right. Except that he seems to be suffering from a temporary loss of memory. That's bad luck. That's why I came to you, Mr. Granger. I want to ask you a question, a very important question. Go ahead. Ask. First of all, I want you to know that I asked our local chief of police about you. He assured me that you have an excellent reputation as a private investigator. Well, I must buy the chief a present. Uh, what about the question? Mr. Granger, 
What did you do with the $10,000 my husband was carrying? Your husband was carrying $10,000? He was. And the man who tossed him out of the car must have stolen it. Because when I searched him for identification, all he was carrying was $15. Are you certain of this? I'm positive. If I found $10,000 on him, I'd have turned it over to the thief. I see. Mr. Granger, since you're a private detective, I want to employ you. In what way, Mr. Trouble? I want you to clear my husband. Of what? That's just it. I don't know. But the $10,000 has something to do with it. How did you find out about the money? Entirely by accident. One of the tellers at the bank phoned our home. He asked if Mr. Robo wanted the numbers of the bills recorded. Did you talk to your husband about the money? No. You see, I have implicit faith in my husband. I'm positive that he had a reason for not telling me. Mrs. Robo left me for a few words with the doctor. To me, the $10,000 business looked obvious. The old shakedown game was being played again. I was turning this over in my mind when Phil Douglas turned up. Granger, I spoke with the chief of police. He said that there was no further reason for you to wait around. Thanks. After all, it's late. It will take some time to drive back to Manhattan. I've decided to stay overnight, Mr. Douglas. I have nothing urgent in New York. You know, I've been mulling over your story, Granger. It seems a trifle incredible. Oh? Uh-huh. If the men were driving with the headlights on full... They were. Why didn't they see you? They probably were in too much of a hurry. Uh-huh. Why the sudden curiosity, Mr. Douglas? I don't have to report to you, you know. I made my statement to the law. I know you did. But I happen to have a little influence here in Cold City myself. Oh, you're the mayor? No, I'm not. But I'm curious to know why you're not going back to New York tonight. I don't think I care to tell you that. Why not? Well, I'm a private detective. And the emphasis is on the word private. I'll continue this interesting story in a minute. There was something in Mr. Phil Douglas's eye that gave me the impression I wasn't very popular with him. I didn't bother to say farewell. I just left the hospital and headed to the local newspaper. The editor proved to be a very cooperative character. Just uh, what is Mervyn Robles' position in the community? Well, he's quite a pal behind the throne. Also, he owns the Robles Tool Company. It's Cold City's biggest outfit. Uh-huh. What can you tell me about a man named Phil Douglas? Douglas? Uh, local politician. Uh, a nice guy. Uh, why? He acted like he didn't want me around. No, don't mind that. He anyone who might get more attention than he does. What's he do, uh, besides be a politician? Well, he's got enterprises, you know, filling stations, uh, lends a little money occasionally. Uh, Would there be any reason for a beef between Robel and Douglas? Well, they're very good friends. Well, Robel is the direct opposite to Douglas. In what way? Well, Robel is a crusader, and it's a standing joke between the two men. You see, we have a local roadhouse, a short way out of town, uh, the Dunes. Yeah, room has it that you can play a game of tennis out there. Yeah. Yeah, Robo has been having the place raided with no luck. Well, maybe I'll look around out there. Maybe I'll come up with something. Like what, for instance? It's entirely possible that I might have recognized one of the men who was with Robo. What? And because I was retained by Mrs. Robo to solve this little mystery, I think I'll go to work. You want me to run that item, too? Why don't you? And also the fact that I'm staying at the, um... What's the local hotel? It's Cove House. Cove House, yeah. I'd be grateful if you'd print that. You know, Granger, there's more to this thought than uh, meets the eye. You're making that statement about knowing one of the men 
open. It'll come out in the open. That, my friend, is not only possible, but completely probable. The editor furnished me with a description of Robo's car. Then I went looking for the Cove House. It was a typical suburban hotel. I got myself a room, got on the phone, and talked to the New York Police Department, giving them the description of the car and a few facts. Then I sailed for eight hours of repose. A big clock jangled its news at the time was nine o'clock in the morning. I got myself showered, dressed, was about to leave when the phone rang. Mrs. Robel, there's a reason for that statement being in the paper. I'll tell you why when the time rolls around. Now, tell me, how is your husband? He seems to be coming along all right. His pulse is normal. The doctor's taking care of the bruises. But he still hasn't said a word. The doctor give any reason for that? No. He's puzzled about it, too. Yeah, okay, Mrs. Robel. I'll check back with you later. Goodbye. Yeah, I wonder who that is. All right, monkey, put up those hands. Is this any way to say good morning? Shut up. Go through him, Hank. Get his gun. Right? <laughs> I got it. Yeah, come on, you. We're going places. The other guys who slug Robel and threw him out of the car. I get it. They thought that item in the paper would smoke you gophers out of your home. Get going. <laughs> Down the back stairs. Over that way. What makes you think you're going to get away with it? Let me worry about that monkey. What's wrong? Somebody down the hall. He's opening the door. Uh, hurry it up, you. Come on, Hank. Yeah. I'll hurry it up. And you can have a downstairs treatment, too. I bent over and thrown the bigger of the two men over my shoulder and down the steps. The smaller man, Hank, had been too quick for me. Slugged me with my own gun. As I staggered the steps, I just glimpsed Hank helping his pal up and out the back door. I was suffering from a sore skull, but at least I hadn't been snatched. I remembered a bar next door and went there, feeling that a little medicine down my abdomen way would alleviate the piston knock in my head. The bar was deserted except for a blonde nuzzling a beer. I ordered the same thing, and she spoke to me. You look like you'd had a rough time. My head met something coming the other way. Too bad. Next time, learn to duck. I intend to. I haven't seen you around town before. Nope. From New York? Yeah. I seem to remember you from someplace. You from New York? Now I remember. You're the private eye, Steve Granger. Charmed, I'm sure. I'm Fran Draper. You staying in Cove City for a while? Yeah. How's the nightlife around here? I know a spot you might enjoy. It's out of town away. It's called the Dunes. The Dunes, eh? Nothing like. Oh, not good, not bad. Like to go there? I might. Tonight? Why not? Make it nightly. I'm staying at the hotel. Okay. You call for With pleasure. <laughs> Draper flashed me a mouthful of perfect crockery, slid off the stool, and left. This girl had it. From the top of her shining head to the tips of her alligator pumps, 
to a curiosity about me. A curiosity which, the more I thought about it, the fishier it seemed. I almost got the idea that someone was cooking up something for me. And the recipe wasn't going to be too tasty. In just a moment, I'll bring you the climax of the case. I sat there in the bar, finishing my beer and trying to make sense out of the situation. Then I went back to the Cove house to find a message that the New York police had picked up Mervyn Robles' car. I made my way back to the big city and stopped off first at Cal Hendricks' place and gave him the details. Ah, robbery, assault, attempted kidnapping. Say, that's quite a story, Steve. My editor's going to like it. Well, before he gets it, you're going to have to give me a little assistance. How's that? I want you to come down to police headquarters to find Mervyn Robles' car. I figured I could use your eagle eye on it. For a story like that, you can not only use my eye, but also my nose. Don't tell me, I get it. From Nosetown to Bloodhound. Well, I guess I wasn't much help with the car, Steve. How do you like it? Not a thing to give me a lead. Not even a fingerprint, according to the lab boys. We might have more luck with the files. Your description of those two hoodlums rings a bell to me. Yeah, here we are. Linky. Linky something. Oh, wait a minute. Linky Bova, that's the name. There. That him? That's the big one. His pal was called Hank. Hank Carson. Yeah, it's here. Note on the bottom. They've worked as a team for years. Uh-huh. There he is. Well, at least I know something about my two friends. Oh, just the same. They're just a pair of cheap arms. The real man must be higher up. You can say that again. Why? Didn't you hear me? I dropped Cal off at his place and turned my car's nose in the direction of Cove City again. I called into the hospital to inquire about Mervyn Roble, but he was still in a state of shock and loss of memory. Then I prepared to pick up Fran Draper for my promised view of Cove City's nightlife. The dunes was a combination of smoke and semi-hysteria. The orchestra consisted of one piano and a smooth-talking waiter deposited the blonde and me in a booth. And you'll like it here. It's quite a spot. Yeah. Yeah, quite a spot. Get a dance? Oh, not yet. That's that's all. Oh, whatever you say. How about taking off your coat? Oh, not yet. Wait, wait till I get warm. Get warm? In here? Where do you usually live? Inside a furnace? What are you looking at? Hmm? Oh, nothing. Nothing at all. That's a lot of nothing. It's a Douglas. It's quite a hunk of human. I think I will take this coat off. No, you don't. Button that up. What are you trying to pull? I'm going to fix you, Mr. Granger. Oh, are you? I grabbed for the light bulb from the lamp on our table, undid it, and dropped a quarter into the socket. The light fused, and the darkness gave me a chance to get Fran Draper out of there. Stop the light! Come on, babe. We're getting out of here. Door. My car's right over there. I'm quietly around. Let me Inside. I'm going to report you to the police, Granger. You report me? That's the last, sister. Have you tried the oldest gag in the world? Let me out of this car. Still a slugger. Getting into a nightclub wearing a phone phone. No wonder he wouldn't unbutton your coat. 
You're waiting for Sue Douglas to show up. I was not. Uh, cut it out. You're going to yell for help, and Mr. Douglas would have called a cop and had me locked up for more days than I care to think about. You're crazy. What's the act between you and Douglas? Nothing. You're mixed up in this robo-business. I know that. Don't forget it. Okay, I'll forget it. For about an hour. I'm taking you back to the hotel. You don't want to get into more grief than you're mixed up in. Now you'll stay there until I get back. I dropped Fran Draper off at the hotel. She trotted into the lobby and got lost. I drove out to the hospital with a trick in mind. If it worked, I'd have the robo case wrapped up like a bundle of lettuce. The nurse admitted me to Robo's room. Mr. Robo. Mr. Robo. All right, Robo. You might be fooling the doctors, but you're not kidding me. Open those eyes and talk. Who are you? I'm Steve Granger, the man who found you. Brought you here. I was retained by your wife to find out about the missing $10,000. She knows about that? She does. I was thinking about being unconscious. Afraid to answer questions? Yes. If you had talked when I first brought you here, I'd have this matter cleaned up. Now tell me about the ten grand. Did two men get it? Yes. There was a shakedown going on, wasn't there? What kind of a shake was it? Blackmail? Embarrassing situation? I was married once before. My first wife wanted a divorce. I offered to give it to her. You know, I swore I'd never get mixed up in a divorce case. Look at me now. No, 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 it's not that. She and I were in perfect agreement. No hard feelings. Sure she's not behind this move? She died six months ago. All right, Robo, tell me this. What part does the blonde named Fran Draper play in it? She was part of the divorce evidence. Great. She had some letters and some photos. Why didn't she yell for the law? My position in Cove City. I'd be laughed at. It would have broken my present wife's heart. Oh, She'd feel a lot better if you'd level with her. What about this Draper girl? She's got some fake witnesses. Also, the evidence he has is not dated. She can make it seem as though the pictures were taken recently. Okay, Robo, thanks for the dope. Now, I'd suggest that you suddenly recover your memory. Go home. But the Draper girl, she's my dish. She's a little too rare for you. I nodded so long to Mervyn Robo and mulled the whole sorry affair over in my mind on the way back to the hotel. It'd be easy to throw a scare into the Draper girl and get back the pictures and letters. But getting the 10000 from the two mugs, that would be another story. As I rapped on Fran Draper's door, it swung inward, and I realized that it had been open all the time. I moved inside, feeling for a light switch, because the shades were drawn. The girl would pull no more frames. She was lying on her back, in the middle of a mussed-up bed. There were purple marks around her white neck. The killer had done it by strangling. So you came back. Don't reach for anything, Douglas. What are you doing here? You killed her after you brought her back here. You grabbed her on the throat and strangled her. No, no, you don't, Douglas. I've got an alibi. I've been up saying a man you should be interested in. Mervyn Robo. Don't pull that. You'll never get away with it. I think I will. Robo will be glad to testify. So will the clerk downstairs. He saw me come up not more than two minutes ago. I don't believe you, Granger. I'm calling the police. Quiet. Somebody's coming. Well, what are you going to do, Linky? Let's going to get the blackmail picture to Dane Scott. Then we can stick that robo for another 10000 Well, how can you do that? We dumped him out of the car. Oh, you should read the paper, Linky. He's alive. Okay, boys. Come right in. Hey, it's 
Tommy Gunn. That's right, Hank. You want us to link each No, no. Turn your backs to me. Face the wall. What is that? That means all three of you. You too, Douglas. What? Why, don't be ridiculous, Granger. Turn. I'll just disable you three boys. Then we can get underway. You'll regret this, Granger. I warn you. Yeah? Now, turn around again. You, Mr. Douglas. What's wrong with your shirt? Nothing. Looks like it's got a lot of starch in it. Or else you're carrying a little uh, contraband in there. Come here. I thought so. The letters and pictures Fran Draper was holding on the robo. I was going to turn them over to the police forever, then. You were? Linky, take a look at the girl on the bed. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that's Fran. She's dead. Yes, and now I know who killed her. You, too. Granger and I heard what you said as you came in. Hey, it's a lie. We got no murder rap on us. Listen to them trying to save this. Oh, they are, Douglas. The way I get it is that Fran Draper came to Cove City to blackmail Robo. He found out that you wanted to be a friend of Robo's as you pretended. You and Fran got together. I never saw her before. And that's why it was so simple for her to set up that frame up at the dunes tonight? Oh, no. You two were partners. Can you prove that? I can try. Linky. Douglas hired you to meet Robo, get the blackmail money, didn't he? Yeah, sure he did. Thanks. But you and Hank had ideas. You double-crossed Douglas and Fran Draper. You took the dough for yourself. We didn't kill her. Of course you did. That's why you were carrying the incriminating pictures and letters inside your shirt, eh, Douglas? Oh. When you found out that I took the Draper girl away from the dunes, you got scared. You thought she might spill the truth about you. They came here, not me. Sure, but they didn't have murder in mind, Douglas. All they wanted was the blackmail stuff. So they could make a pitch for another 10000 But you got here ahead of them. You must have. Because you have that evidence. You killed Fran Draper. Are you mad? Then how did you know she'd been strangled when you haven't been close enough to see her neck? Why, you... Don't try it, Douglas. Well, friends, that's the story. I'll be back to wrap up the case in just a minute. Phil Douglas through the arm. Then I took him and the two mugs down to Cove City Police Headquarters and told my story to an amazed and thoroughly riled chief of police. After the mugs answered a few questions and were locked up, I went back to the hospital where Mervyn Robel had amazingly recovered his power of speech. Oh, it's over, Granger. Yeah, most certainly is. We don't know how to say thank you, Mr. Granger. We'll save that for later. First, here is the blackmail material. And I hope you tell Mrs. Robel the whole story. He already has, Mr. Granger. $10,000 is being held by the police department. You're certain of getting it back since uh, the bank teller kept a record of the serial numbers. Oh, that's wonderful. And now let's talk about you. Her fee is normal under these circumstances, I understand. Well, I'd like to blush and say no, but this happens to be my business. Fine, I'm glad to see you are not affected by, by false modesty. I shall send you a check in the amount of $1,000. That's 10% of what I've been saved by you. Oh, thank you. I won't send you the receipt, but uh, I will leave you one idea. What's that? Next time, tell the cops or the wife. Mr. Granger. What? There shall be no next time. Fine. The wise guy who doesn't make the same mistake twice. See Granger again. You've just heard one of the most interesting cases in my files. And I'll have another one for you. So be around next time. Next time.